would take your Bibles once again and turn to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 5. 1 Timothy, chapter 5. We've been looking at chapter 4 over the last several weeks. And uh, last week was, a, was an exceptional message on letting God use us. And it's an amazing thing to consider that in biblical times, youth was considered typically under the age of 29, but could extend to the age of 40. So that's looking better and better all the time. I'm still young. And uh, even though 50 is not that far away, but uh, at any rate, I like, I like when we're considered still young. But in 1 Timothy chapter 5, um, Warren Wearsby in his commentary on 1 Timothy titles this next text of Scripture, Order in the Church. Order in the Church. And uh, for it lays down some groundwork as to handle certain aspects of church life. It's amazing as, uh, I don't know about you, but if I were not a pastor and I was looking for a church, I'd probably be one of the most critical people. Just saying. I mean, I just, there's certain things that we have expectations of and certain things that you want to see in the church and certain ways that you want to see things accomplished. And, and, uh, so as a pastor, you're trying to put those things into play that you feel like God would be, you know, uh, would be advantageous to helping us grow and to learn and to move forward in our walk and walk with the Lord and so forth. But there are certain things that have to be in place for, in order for the church to move forward. And as we've been looking through First Timothy, it's Paul as he's mentoring, as he's coaching, as he's teaching young Timothy how he is to pastor and handle certain aspects in the church. <coughs> and last week, as I was looking at looking ahead a little bit into chapter five, I'm thinking, oh, that's not a fun subject. And so, uh, lest I lie and deceive you, it is a shorter message this morning with everything going on. And I usually that's where I don't want to lie and deceive you because usually when I say that it goes longer. But I, I'll try not to do that for you this morning. But anyway, order in the church, it lays down the groundwork of things that would need to take place in the body of Christ. So in the big picture, Paul addresses several circumstances that were taking place there. Things like uh, the older folks being disrespected, uh, widows being neglected, elders not being respected for their work. Uh, for today, I would like to just look at the first two verses and look at how older folks in the church are to be um, treated. So for practical purposes, I'd like to presuppose something from verses 1 and 2. So if you would follow along as I read these first two verses. It says, Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. So I like to presuppose things once in a while. This is my opinion. I could be wrong. I'm just going to let you know up front. But when God's Word says to do something... I like to presuppose that he's telling you for a reason. And oftentimes the reason he is saying something is because it's not happening the way it should happen. And so when he says, do not do this, sometimes we presuppose the fact that he's saying not to do it because it is actually happening. It's taken place. And I've seen this happen in my years of experience as a pastor, now 25 years now. So if the author is saying do not, there's a good chance that they were doing something they should not have been doing. And so, for these practical purposes, I want to just bring our attention to this. Um, if, they were, if they weren't doing it, there might not have been a need to say it, other than just for teaching purposes. So, at the first two verses, as we said earlier, a young man was typically under the age of 29, but could extend to the age of 40. So, under the age of 40, you were considered, in many regards, a young man. And so, as a young man... I know that there are, there are things that take place in the life of a younger man that don't always take place in the life of an older man. Things change. People change. Our responsibilities change. Our outlooks change. All these things change. And one thing that we find out in life is that 
the youth have all kinds of what? Energy. And in the midst of our energy, we want things that we want to get done and things that we want to see accomplished and places that we want to go and the way that we think things ought to be done and so forth. And so there are times that when a younger man has the zeal and the energy and the strength of their youth, they want to bulldoze over anybody else who's gone before them. And this is a caution not to do that. Um, I, I actually watched this being played out a little bit in the, in the life of my wife's grandfather. Um, how many of you remember the fruit fly problem that was in California in the early 80s? Anybody remember that? Great, I'll, both of you. Um, <laughs> it was a, it was a big deal. Across California, the fruit flies took over. My wife's grandfather worked for the Department of Agriculture, and as such, they called him in to solve the problem. And so as such, he worked his way through uh, high school got a GED by going to night school. Then he went to college going to night school. And he worked his way up in the government just by being faithful and working. And as a government employee, he did very well by putting himself through school in the evening hours. And I remember for many, many years, they called him. They asked on his, asked his advice, his wisdom, his understanding of how things worked. And, you know, he could tell you whatever flower was this and whatever weed was that and how to take care of this and how to get rid of red ants in your yard. I mean, this guy knew everything about anything that had to do with agriculture and yards and flowers and weeds and all these things and trees. And well, he finally got to the point where many of us look forward to it. One day you'll retire and he looked forward to retiring. So he retired. And as he retired, he moved back to uh, 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 Boonville, Mississippi. And uh, it wasn't long before government agency called him back and said, Hey, we need your help. We've got some younger guys in here. They don't know what they're doing. Would you come back? Well, he went back for about 60 days. And as he went back, he found out that all those 30 years that he'd worked himself up into the government into a position... As he came back, they put him down here. And now there's a bunch of 20-year-olds who didn't have the wisdom or the experience or the understanding to, or the respect to listen to the older one who had gone before them. And so there was something to be said about that. And he said, man, I was so frustrated. I was so just every day going to work, these young punks who don't know what they're doing, trying to tell me how to do my job that I've been doing for 30-some years. And he says, you know what? I don't need the frustration. And he retired again. You know, but there's something to be said about listening to the older ones who have gone before us. And so he says very clearly here in the passage, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. So the principle that Paul was teaching Timothy is the principle that many younger folks need to learn. And it's called respect. And it's interesting here. It says, notice how this was to be done. He says, do not rebuke an older man. Now, let me just stop right there just for a moment. Does that mean if we see somebody that's going before us who's older, who has many years ahead of us, that, and if they're doing something wrong, we don't ever say anything? No, that's not what it's saying. There's a way to handle the circumstances. There's a way that we deal with the, the issues at hand. So he says, here it is. Treat an older man as you would a father. I don't know about you, but there are very few times in my life, in, in my life as a kid growing up, that I would disrespect my father. I'm just being honest with you. We had a tough situation in our, in growing up. My dad was handicapped. He was physically disabled much of my life. He was in the hospital a lot. And you know, it hit me one day that my dad said what he meant and meant what he said. Um, 
I've always been the biggest kid in the family, hard to believe. I've always been, you know, shoulders above everyone else. Sorry, John, if you're watching, uh, and he is. Uh, I was bigger than you. But, I mean, the bottom line is, my dad, if he said that I'm going to whoop your tail, I believed he was going to whoop my tail. He said what he meant, meant what he said, and I just absolutely believed that he was going to do that. And then it hit me one time about my sophomore or junior year in college. All these years he's been telling me he's going to whoop my tail. He couldn't whoop my tail if he wanted to. But what was the issue? I respected him and what he said. I didn't want to break his heart. I didn't want to not obey. In many regards, I was that kid who just wanted to do what was right. Just give me the rule book and I'll follow it. But the reality is I respected him. And because of that, and there are days today I wish I could go back and talk to him. I wish there were days today I could go back and say, Hey, Dad, what do you think about? I remember going out hunting, and as was my practice every year, as soon as I shot a deer, I would get my cell phone out and call my dad and send a picture. And I remember the first year my dad was gone, I got an eight-point buck, and I took my camera out, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I can't text him. He's gone. You know, you miss the experience, the wisdom, the, the life that they've gone through, the stories that we're to respect. So when somebody is in the air, when there is a disagreement, when there is a frustration between a younger man and an older man, he says, this is how you deal with it. You treat him as a father. Now, here's the deal. Is every father-son relationship perfect? Oh, wouldn't it be great if it was? I mean, it would be wonderful if you could just go to your father and say, boy, this has been just the best thing ever. But the reality is there are some scars. There are some memories of things that haven't been so great. But the reality is, he said, this is how to do it. In a right relationship, you speak to him as a father. As a father would a son. You know what I found in my life is that I have got four kids, or three kids and two more, um, what do you call them, exchange students that have been in my home now for years. And I know that there are times that I am frustrated. And there's times that I'm sure I frustrated my kids. And I'm telling you there's times that they frustrated me. But do you just walk away and kick them out? No. Maybe some of you say, well, we did. (laughs) No. But the reality is, what do you do? You talk. To the best of your ability, you talk first, right? You try to work it out. You try to reason. You try to teach. You try to instill. You try to walk through the circumstances. Why? Because what you really want is a healthy relationship. And so he goes on and says, treat an older man as you would a father. So when there's a disagreement, when there's a misunderstanding, when there's a miscommunication, you sit down together. You talk. And you reason. And you discuss. And then he goes on and says, treat younger men as you would a brother. So when it's somebody in my same age group, rather than that enemy who disagrees with me, or whether that person who's a jerk towards what I think because I don't think the same thing they do, he says what? Treat him as a brother. And if you're a woman... Treat an older woman as you would a mother. There's a reason why Scripture says there only needs to be one woman under a roof. Right? Sorry, Mom. There's a reason for that. Right? But from time to time, there is a misunderstanding. And rather than treating that person as an outsider, rather than building a wall between you, just treat them like you would a mother. Treat them with respect. Once again, sit down, discuss, reason, communicate. And then treat younger women as you would a sister. 
with all purity. Notice what God's Word says about this. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32, it says, You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God. I am the Lord. So there's two aspects of this verse. First of all, it says, You shall rise before the gray-headed. There's a reason why we are to rise before them. There's years of wisdom. There's years of experience. There's years of trial and error. There's years of understanding that we don't have yet because we have not lived as long. And God's Word says we need to honor the gray head. There's a purpose behind it. And then He says, honor the presence of an old man. Um, one of the things I loved to do as a teenager, and I remember as a teenager growing up in our church in Minneapolis, is that oftentimes we would go to the nursing home on Thursday nights. And as such, we would kind of do a kind of a little inspiration time for them. Uh, well, we grew up, you know, Thursday nights we'd go over to the nursing home, we'd meet in the central meeting area, the community room, and we'd sing a few songs. And then after that, we would walk them to the rooms. And as we would walk them to the rooms or roll them to the rooms, we would take time and either sing for them or just visit with them. You know, some of them that didn't make it to the community room, we'd stop in their rooms and just say, hey, how you doing? Pray with them. But one of the things I began to just truly love as a teenager was hearing the stories. The stories. I didn't know the people in their family. I didn't know anything about where they grew up. I didn't know anything about so much of what took place in their life. But then when you hear the stories, they can almost put you in the presence of what was taking place. And it's amazing how much they remember. And how much they have to unfold and to share with you. And God says to honor that. And he goes on in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29, it says, The glory of young men is their strength, and the splendor of old men is their what? Gray hair, their gray head. That's the splendor of it. And if he says if it's splendor, then we ought to what? Honor it. Respect it. Learn from it. And then one more in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 31. It says, The silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. So even more so, when they are walking with God, when they are living for the Lord, even more, it says it is a crown of glory. This gray head. Isn't that awesome? What a word picture that describes how we should honor and respect those who are older than us. As you look at this principle that Paul is teaching Timothy, something really jumped off the page to me. And it was the idea of family. Notice again, it says, treat the old man as a father. Treat the older women as a mother. Treat other women, younger women as sisters. Other younger men as brothers. What is the picture there? These relationships are built on the fashion of a what? family. I wonder this, and this came to my mind as I was reviewing this for this week. I wonder how many of our relationships would be different. Think about where you work. The people you work with. Are they all just awesome people? Or do you have that one or two that are just you know, they're the burn in the saddle? They're the thorn in the flesh. What might be different if you were to treat them as a brother? Or a sister. 
rather than that person. Or that relative that we have that we just don't quite get along with because, well, let's just say they're weird and you're not. At least that's what they think. What if we treat them as a brother or sister? Or that older person that is adamant on you doing it their way when you think you got a better way and is causing some friction. What might be different if you treat them as a father, as a mother, because we're a family? What might be different in every circumstance of a life if rather than looking at people as that person or that jerk or that idiot and say, I'm going to treat him as my family. What might be different? Maybe we would have the inroad to the gospel. Maybe we would have the inroad to sharing our faith. Maybe we would have an inroad to change if we would just but humble ourselves. I don't know about you, but I like to have my way. Anyone else? Come on. No, never. That's right. We are people who want our own way. And we are people that we don't want to see it any other way but our own way. But what would be different if we would look at everyone around us through this lens? And really, as Paul was working with young Timothy, and he's working in the church here, and he's pastoring the church, and he's saying, Timothy, don't rebuke the old man. Treat him as your father. Sit down at the table. Grab a cup of coffee. And talk. Show respect. Honors years of wisdom. I found so many times in life that most of what we disagree on is because of miscommunication. We both want to get from point A to point B. Just, I want to go this way and you want to go this way, but we're both going to get there. Yes, one might be harder than the other, one might be easier than the other, but the bottom line is we're going to go there, but most of it's miscommunication and selfishness because I want to do it my way. But I found in the big picture, a lot of times it doesn't really matter. I don't know about you, but I've learned this a couple times in my life because obviously God just keeps putting these circumstances in front of me so that I can keep learning it better, even though I think I got it down. I can remember painting at the church, not this church, but a previous church. And I don't know about you, but if there's not supposed to be paint on it, I want paint on it. What do you call those little floor things? Uh, yeah. Molding, thank you. <clears throat> molding. I don't think there should be paint on molding if it's not supposed to be paint on molding. Pretty simple concept, right? You got white molding, blue wall, should be no blue on the white. I'm not fast, but I am nitpicky perfectionist when it comes to that stuff. I'm not fast, but I can cut. I was working in half-million-dollar homes. I didn't paint. I didn't put cloth down because I'm a nitpick perfectionist, perfectionist when it comes to that. So here I am in the church, and somebody says, Hey, Pastor, let me do that for you. Mm. Swallow hard. <clears throat> think without them seeing you think. Sure. And I come back. I kid you not. Orange paint all over the blue carpet. And he had a tarp down. How do you do that? Paint all the way up his arm. When I'm done painting a room, I got maybe an inch on my brush. How do you mess up that bad? I mean, you gotta work at it. 
But in the big picture, guess what? We were both going from point A to point B. And I didn't have to do it. And they got to serve. Yes, there was cleanup. (laughs) But you know what? We're selfish. We want what we don't want, when we want it. And if you disagree with me, well then, too bad. The reality is, a lot of times we want our way. And a lot of times there's miscommunication. So he says, treat it as a family. One thing I've noticed about the Indian culture from all the time that I've spent with many of my Indian friends, my India Indian friends, uh, my friends from Bhutan, Nepal, oftentimes I love one thing about their culture. Many of them that I have known for years, when they when we talk on the phone or through email or through texting or Skyping or FaceTime or whatever it is that we use, oftentimes they'll say, how's mama? How's mama? You know what they're talking about? My wife. How's mom? How's mom? And they're sincere about it. They're genuine about it. They want to know how mom's doing. Because in their culture, mom is a term of respect. We're going to show mom respect. How's my mom? I wonder if we've lost that in our culture a little bit from time to time. And he says, this ought not be in the church. He says, Timothy, as you go out, as you do pastoral ministry, make sure there's respect. Another point to consider with being a family is that a family, as a family, we treat each other better as family members than we do as strangers. At least that ought to be the case. We ought to love our family members to no end. It would be easy to get upset and rebuke a stranger. You're never going to see him again. I kind of had to laugh. Mike was sharing in Sunday school this morning. We were putting the carts away at Costco. They were everywhere. and We took a minute and put them away. And, of course, what is common driving etiquette in the U.S. Drivers drive on the right, right? So we're coming out of the parking lot, and this guy is coming right towards Mike. I mean, he's 100% in Mike's lane, coming right at him. Mike is in the right-hand side, and he's coming at him. You know, Mike's in Mike's right hand coming towards me, and he's in Mike's right, which is his left. And the guy looks out the window and goes... And I just had to laugh because I'm like, you're, you're, you're like getting all upset and frustrated and you're in the wrong. And I just had to laugh. But you know, it's really easy to get mad at people like that, right? Well, you jerk, you're the one in the wrong lane. You idiot, move over. That's what my flesh wants to do, right? That's what your flesh wants to do. Don't be hyper-spiritual here on me. That's what you want to do too. You want to set them straight because they're wrong. I'm going to let them know it. Right? It's really easy to rebuke a stranger, but it's not as easy to get as angry as a family member and rebuke them if you love them. And that gets back to what God's Word tells us over and over, Matthew 22 and all the Gospels. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's harder to rebuke somebody that you love. Anybody been in that situation where you know you had to say something, but you just didn't want to because you didn't want to hurt their feelings? 
It's hard, isn't it, when you love them? You don't want to break a relationship. You don't want there to be anything to intercept what is good and to stop it. So how can we do this? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says this, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, referring to who? The younger. Be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There's two key words in that. Submit. Something none of us likes to do. I don't care who you are. We don't just naturally love authority. Yes, thank you. I get another person to tell me what to do. Yes. No, that's not nature, is it? We don't like those things. But yet, that's what God has called us to, to submit to authority. So he says, submit yourselves to the elders. Why? Once again, the years of experience, the wisdom, the trial and error that they've been through. And then the other word is, Humility. Until we are humble, we won't respect as we ought. God recalls us to humility. And then in Job chapter 12, verse 12, it says, Wisdom is with aged men, and with length, length of days, understanding. Length of days, the years that they have that we don't have. It says there's wisdom there. There's understanding there. In Proverbs 23, verse 22 says, Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Once again, it's that honor. Remember we talk about the word honor. What does honor mean? To give value to. It means to give value to. In other words, when somebody is older than me, who has more wisdom, more years of experience, more of life's opportunities than we've had, speaks, we listen. We give weight, honor, respect to what is being said. Does that mean we're going to agree every time? No. But we're going to sit there and listen to it. And we're going to consider it. And we're going to pray about what's said because it might be the right answer for what we need here. So he says, listen to your father who begot you. and Do not despise your mother when she is old. So let's go back to verses 1 and 2 then. What did the text start with? Do not rebuke. And this to me makes it clear that there are going to be difficult times between younger and older. There are going to be, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, those of you that are older, and I'll let you determine if that is you or not. There are going to be difficult days because is there not a different way of thinking between the older and the younger? Are you just like bewildered and confused as to why they could come to the conclusions that they come to? Yeah. Because there's a different way of thinking between the older and the younger. Is there not a different way of dressing? Does it not confuse you sometimes why they're wearing what they're wearing? I mean, I'm not even old yet. And I'm like looking at some of the younger, I'm like, what in the world? Those are pretty crazy pants too, Oliver. I'm just saying. No. Awesome. He can, he can, he can pull it off. I can't. Different perspective on life. Is there not a different perspective? Is there not a difference in 
values and opinions? Yeah. I mean, I love it. Micro. Anybody know who Micro is? 30 jobs. He says the millennials can't figure out why they can't afford a house. He says it's, it's really, really, really simple. Give up your two-a-day, six-dollar lattes at Starbucks. Figure that out times 31 days a month. No, he jokes about it. But in some cultures, parts of culture, I need that latte twice a day. And some of us that are older are like, dude, do you realize how much you're spending on that every day? That just adds up. Values. We have different values. I'm sorry if you're drinking one. No, my bad. No, it's kidding. But isn't it true, though? <clears throat> there are things that the younger generation thinks is important that they just got to have. That the older generation says, why do you need that? There's a different way of thinking. Now, let me ask one more question. I'll move on. How many remember marriages 30 years ago versus today? 30 years ago, you got married in a small church. Whatever fit in the church fit. Did your thing. You had some cake and ice cream and went on your honeymoon and went home. Bada boom, bada bing. A thousand bucks. Your honeymoon was over and you're done there and starting life. Right? Man, 40, 50, 60,000 dollar marriages today. And you remember when you first started out? You were hoping to have one car that was decent and it could make it somewhere if you had to go somewhere. Right? Today's generation starts off with two cars, both no more than a couple years old, both have car payments, and a huge nice house completely furnished. Is it not true? Different perspective, different values, different culture. I remember, the, I don't know if I've shared this in the past, maybe I have, but I remember the last time I left home, I was going to... Pennsylvania to drop my stuff off where I was going to be working and teaching in this Christian school and then heading to Texas to get married. My little S10, yes, even then I had a truck, even though it was a baby truck, I had a truck, and it was filled to the gill. It was packed. Put my seatbelt on, and I'm starting to back down the driveway. And my dad steps out on the front porch and goes, you know how it is. You don't want to go back in. I just got my seatbelt on. I'm backing up to go. Uh, what do I need to go back in for? Went back in. I said, did I forget something? He goes, no. He goes, I don't think you did. I said, what do you need? And he just simply said, you see that? 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 He was pointing at the stereo system in the corner the couch that was against the wall. He was pointing out everything that was in the living room. And then here's what he said. He said, it took your mother and I 30 years to get this. Don't think you need it your first year. Have a safe trip. I will never forget that as long as I live. A little bit of wisdom in saying, don't go out and get in debt. Don't go pile up a bunch of debt and credit. There's a different perspective today. Different way of thinking between the older and the younger. I'm really of the generation that I don't need brand new. It's nice. I like it. But at this stage, don't really care so much. My wife will tell you on the Saturday mornings when we first got married, man, I got the Q-tips out. And I'm like, don't laugh. Getting the Q-tips in the, in, in, in the airflow vents of my 
minivan. Yes. I was making my minivan look good. Right? I could care less about that stuff anymore. Oh, it's, it's nice when it's clean. But the reality is my perspective has changed as I've gotten older. I don't mind if it's not brand new. I don't mind if it doesn't cost the most. It means more to most people around me than it does to me. How about a different perspective on parenting? Aren't there times that you as an older person say, if that was my kid, I'd tan his hide? But you can't say that publicly because somebody's going to publicly persecute you if you do. But you know it's the truth. You're in Walmart and a kid's screaming. It's like, man, give me three minutes out in the parking lot. We'll fix that. <laughs> right? How many of you have not thought that sometime or another? That's not politically correct, though. There's a difference in perspective there. How about just in culture in general? Wow. There's a difference. And what we find is that those differences can either cause division or you can say, you know what? There's just differences. One's not necessarily right and the other one's wrong. One's not necessarily better and the one's not so good. Although we may have that thought. But we can let the differences come between us. But when we look at it as family, that's a different perspective altogether. Right? He says, be careful how you look at these things. As family members, we need each other, even though we may disagree with each other. Isn't that true? We need each other. I remember in my 20s, people would look at me and say, man, hold on, life's going to pick up speed. And I'm thinking, oh my Lord, this day cannot go any longer, cannot go any slower. It's like, please, Lord, if they say it's going to speed up, please let it speed up now. Be careful what you ask for. Because now we look back and the kid that I was holding in my arms is now looking down at me because he's 6'4 and I'm 6'2 and a half. And you say, how did this happen? And you know what? We were just in church two days ago. Anybody else feel like that? Time just is on, it's just speeding up the older we get. So we work out our disagreements as family members in love and with respect towards one another. See, I found in this stage of my life that Satan would love nothing more than to get a foothold in the doorways of our lives and destroy what God is wanting to do. And how does he do it? Through selfishness and pride. Through selfishness and pride. And the bottom line is this. If we go through life being selfish and wanting our way and doing how we want to do it, expect problems. But when we have the perspective of we're a family... And we treat those that are older with us as a father. Those who are our age as a brother. Or as a woman, as a mother, as a sister. When we have a family perspective, we work out our disagreements. And Paul is telling Timothy, in the body of Christ, show respect. Be like a family. And if you do that, he'll honor it. I don't know about you, but it's so easy in this culture that we live in to be selfish. Do what I want, when I want, as often as I want, for as long as I want. I own my own life. Well, the only problem with that is that you don't, as a child of God. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Be a, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. 
which we know is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are His. We don't have the right to live this life the way we want to. We're to honor God with it and to obey Him with it. And that means it should be void of selfishness and pride. We're to be a family. And I can't think, but what would be different if we would live that way? And this is what Paul was impressing upon Timothy as a minister of the gospel. And if it was good for Timothy to learn it, I'm quite certain it's good for us to learn it. Amen? Let's be that kind of a family. Show one another love and respect. Treat each other as family members. And see what God will do with that. Let's pray.